Just a friendly reminder that the opinions expressed on this show are not worth a Canadian penny, so disregard anything you hear that might get anyone in trouble. And despite some of the great ideas you may hear, don't try them at home. Go to friend's house instead. And welcome to episode 221 of Slamfire Radio for September 1st. That's right, it's back to school time. I'm one of your hosts, Matthew the Teacher McClatchy. Oh, I'm another teacher, Trevor. <laughs> Adriel, go next. And I'm Adriel, uh, just a regular working guy who works all the time and doesn't take a huge summer break and slack off. Oh. <laughs> And I'm Kelly. I'm also a teacher, but I teach the ones that are pretty much unteachable. Uh-huh. Hey! <laughs> no, they're pretty good. <laughs> hmm. All right. Well, I, I gotta, I gotta edit that right off the bat because I'm not a teacher. I'm an EA, so you know, I'm already calling myself things that I'm not. But whatever, Tre- Trevor. Like, honest, yes. you're not gonna edit this. I'm not editing nothing. No, no. I'm just saying that I'm. I'm see, I'm just editing myself in in post. Let's let's just call it a Jason Philp um, edit and say point of order. There we go. Point of order. <laughs> Not a Shut teacher. Any A. Oh, oh, there's that. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Mm. Not you. Not you, Philp. Right. Oh, that that was my point of order for Philp. Oh, okay. <laughs> hi, Jason. Hi, hi, Jason. Big shout out to Jason, but he can't hi. speak back because Trevor told him to be quiet. So <laughs> there's there's that. Don't worry. I'll send a point of order. Point of order. <laughs> Well, we're going to slide right into the first portion of the show, which is brought to us by the Calgary Shooting Centre, Canada's premier firearms retailer. Uh, Canada, the, the Calgary Shooting Centre has pre-ordered the Glock 17 Gen 5 and expects them to arrive in December or January. So who, who's excited to see the Gen 5s? Put your hand up. Ooh, yay. So, Kelly. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Trevor, you excited <laughs> about the Gen 5s? I'm indifferent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, here's here's my thought. Pro- well, let me ask Adriel first. What do you think of him, buddy? I'm looking at the shadow. You're looking at the shadow of the Gen 5? <laughs> no. <laughs> shadow 1 or Shadow 2? Ah, you know, I think Shadow 1. With uh, I'll, I'll talk about it during my, my part. All right. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Uh, well, I, I think the Gen 5s are, are a step up. I, I just think that they look a lot like the Gen 2s, though. Hmm. They went back to one pin, yeah. which was a Gen 2 feature. Yeah. They went they, back to And they took out the no finger grooves, finger which grooves. is yeah, a Gen 2 feature. So <laughs> did we get a Gen 5 or did we get a Gen 2.5? They're like, break out the old molds, guys. Put out the- <laughs> Let's make a bunch of these frames and uh, make it ambidextrous, and now it's a 5. Yeah. Yep. They did put a flare and magwell on there. Apparently there's some other internal yes. changes as well. Well, I'm sure that it's got the new uh, dual recoil spring and all that other stuff. Yeah, and maybe so, they got it right this time. And, and when it first came out on the Gen Four, they had to do a recall on yeah, it. Yeah, and I heard that the trigger is actually quite good on it. Ooh, so you know I'm, what though, the, the Glock trigger's not bad. It's not bad to start with. I, the I don't mind mine. triggers. Yeah, the earlier triggers were pretty bad, but I mean, they got all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now that we're done loving on Glock. Hey, I like Glock. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> what? 
It, it is a gun show, right? We do talk it about guns. It is a gun show. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And I have a Glock. You 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 so, are a Glock. So why do we have to be done loving on it then? I don't know. I thought we were going to move on. <laughs> oh, when well, the I, host I, moves I, us on, yeah, he will. I know, but he's gotten lost. Oh, in the Kelly's way. prodding me, oh. so I guess we got to talk about other stuff. Apparently, uh, Kelly, tell us what you did in guns. Oh, you're skipping right to me. Straight All right. Straight to you. That's okay. what happens. I know. You asked for this. Remember that. I went, I know. I went to SFRC on Saturday. It's our weekly trip. What a surprise. Trip. Yeah. I did know, you, eh? Yeah. Did you go to SFRC? Yeah. Yeah. We were looking for some stuff. They didn't have what we wanted. So, um, didn't buy anything. Oh. But on Sunday, we went to the range. Uh, we went to the 50-yard range and played around with the my 1022. Uh, I did a couple of drills. So, I did the NPOA, which is the natural point of aim drill uh and i did it in rifleman's cadence just means i was shooting it with my breath uh with my breath and respiratory you were shooting with your breath it's like you blow really hard on the trigger for it to go or and it goes boom bang (laughs) it's a light trigger (laughs) yeah (laughs) i do that in free gun too (laughs) oh hello all right Uh, no it just means when i'd breathe uh out and breathe in, or, or sorry, I'd breathe um, in. in and then out, right. and then I'd take the shot. So that's Rifleman's Cadence, and yeah. 10 shots, and you're, if you do it right, and you have your MPOA, then it means you, you should have all your shots in one hole, which happened, except for I did have one flyer. It's always the first one. That I happens. I know. Especially with 22s. It's just really hard yeah. to get inexpensive except you don't shoot super inexpensive ammo do you you shoot some sort of medium of the road stuff yep the gila uh the gila high velocity so it's usually the first one out's the cold bore i'm assuming so i don't know it 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 was the first one out uh then i was shifted over and did another npoa test which was the dot torture test it's basically 24 dots and i filled up a mag shifted my npoa off of each uh, dot and tried to shoot the center. So I hit all of the dots. Is there, so there's no time limit on that uh, drill? Nope. Oh, okay, nope. cool. No time limit on that, but just, you know, make sure you're lining up your shots and taking them. So yeah. it's, it's a really good test to do. I used to do the dot torture test with a handgun. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly it. But so I was doing it at 50 yards and I was just doing it with a sling in a prone position. I wasn't using any bags or anything like that. So. Nice. Yeah. And then I got to shoot our new Ruger American Rimfire bolt action gun that we just got in. And we're going to be using it for Rimfire Katie events that we're going to have in the near future. Can't tell you when, so maybe I should have not said that. Too late. Anyways. (laughs) Uh, And it also has a new MDT chassis for it as well. So it's beautiful. It's very accurate. We sighted it in uh, with all... You know, we used all kinds of different uh, ammo, but again, like our 1022s, it really likes the Aguila high velocity. It doesn't, it, we, yeah, it doesn't like the CCI mini mags that we were using or the match ammo or anything else. So, yeah, the high velocity Aguila. Isn't it great when you get two 22s that both like the same ammo? Yeah, all I of ours. That. Yeah. So I've actually sold twenty twos before because I didn't like the stuff that all of my other twenty twos like. Like oh, this really? th- this stuff doesn't shoot the stuff that I want to shoot through it? Fine. You're yep. sold. You're sold. <laughs> exactly. Get in line or get out. So off the bag, same hole. Again. That's so awesome. 
at, at 50 yards, yeah, really, really, really like it. The only thing I didn't like about the chassis itself was, or the uh, the gun was the grip. It has grooved, it has a groove grip, and it doesn't fit my hands. So. See, that's why you shouldn't put grooves in handles. Firearms yep. manufacturers, are you listening? Not everybody mm -hmm. has the same hand as Andre the Giant who comes along to make your mold for your finger groups. Exactly. So we'll be switching that out. But it's a really nice rifle. Like, seriously, uh, accurate and really nice. I like it. It's a brim. It's a, it's a bolt, bolt action. It's bolt action. Super <laughs> accurate. Yep. And that is everything that I did in guns this week. So, Adriel, what about you? Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Maybe I want Trevor to go next. <laughs> oh, you're going to tell everybody. I thought it was my turn to tell everybody. Oh, you want it? Oh, no, you go ahead. No, you do it. <laughs> Adriel? I went to Prairie Fire. Woohoo! That was fun. Uh, yeah, so I went to Prairie Fire. That was that big three-gun match in Saskatoon. That was Just like a five-hour drive, right? Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. five-plus hour drive. Man. But it was Saskatchewan, so... Yeah, it was, but it's uh, flat, hey. so it's okay. So the hours aren't as long in Saskatchewan, apparently. You nap in between <laughs> well, you because can, it's so right? flat. Yeah, you just, you just <laughs> put it on cruise control <laughs> and take a nap in the back. Yeah. Well, they <laughs> don't observe... Uh, you know, the whole daylight savings time, so that works out somewhere. So you save time there, don't you? <laughs> yeah, save an hour in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's true, they're right? Actually, yeah, because when, the the... when you cut the foot off the top of the blanket and you sew it on the bottom of the blanket, somehow the blanket's longer, it, it's right? It's longer. It really is. Yeah. It isn't. Yeah. It's not. Well, <laughs> there, there wasn't anything. They're, they're basically the same time zone as Alberta. We'll put it that way. So, right. uh, so driving over there, yeah, like I didn't have to adjust watches or anything like that. No, the drive was good. Uh, the match itself. So uh, I'm, I'm sure, Trevor, you've talked about this at, at some of your matches, but it's just one something I wanted to just highlight a little bit. So they had 100 shooters, uh, about a 100 bucks entry fee. So that's going to be, what, like 10 grand or something like that for them to uh, put together the course, uh, rent the range, have waters and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, and then they have sponsors on this thing. And they said they had $20,000 worth of sponsored items on their prize table. Whoa. So wow. the interesting thing about this, um, and it's not something I've really thought about before. I'm going to this, to this thing to shoot, but you go to this thing to shoot. It's also a really good deal. <laughs> like you don't have to be a gambling man to understand. Like you're putting down for a hundred dollars for a shoot to get access to the possibility of winning up to two hundred. Like on average, two hundred dollars worth of stuff uh, on the prize table for these guys. Like they had a. Uh, a soup, souped up uh, XL650. Uh, they had a Shadow 2. They had uh, a Daniel Defense AR15. Whole pile of stuff. And uh, again, you guys have probably been to matches that have been like that before. It's no. just the first time I've put two and two together. <laughs> the where... only time I've seen prizes like that were at uh, Ipsic Nationals. Hmm. Uh, SummerSlam's not too bad, but we don't. Uh, we, we used to spend four grand on a welcome gift and then i asked the shooters would you rather get a ball cap or a coffee mug or a water bottle or a pocket knife or backpack or would you rather a chance to get a gun god was like screw that i'd rather take my chances with getting a gun so mm -hmm. we started to put four and five guns on the price table but only, only the only time i've been I've seen a table like that adriel was at nationals huh and so, last I mean, this year is this was Last. all sponsored stuff, right? This wasn't like they didn't put match fees. I, I I don't think they put match fees to any of this stuff. I'm pretty sure this was all sponsored. Yeah, uh, yeah. and then normally prizes. it is. Like last year's Nationals, 
um, the guy in charge of um, sponsorship, uh, Craig, he pulled in somewhere in the neighborhood of $42,000 worth <laughs> of prizes for the prize table. Wow. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. yeah. At that point, yeah, I mean, just going is uh, is just <laughs> getting the possibility of getting access to that some of that stuff, right? Yeah, I came home with a pistol safe. Like oh, an yeah. electronic, electronic, you know, up to probably four pistols, pistol safe. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, one of the guys in our crew won the Air 15. Uh, uh, another guy I know won the pistol. Uh, so it's, <laughs> it's good odds. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, good odds. There's a hundred people, and there's a whole bunch of anyway. So that that was that's that's all the prizes, and that that was fun. But that that wasn't why I went out there. Uh, I really, really, I wanted to go out there to see um, what is like national class for our three gun shooters here, and how far off am I? And I'm pretty far off. But uh, well, how uh, far off though? Sixty uh, percent. So I'm sixty percent of the top shooter kind of thing. Now, what add. scoring did they use? It sounds like they used almost like um. A hit factor scoring with points divided by time as opposed to time plus. Time plus. I think it was time plus for the stages and then a points based on the stage. I'm not really sure. I, you know, I, I, I took a look at the scoring afterwards and it was, a, it was a bit confusing. It seemed that you could really hose one stage and that would be okay. Because I had one stage that I totally hosed and uh, I still it still didn't hurt me too bad. So okay, well, when you this. say hose, do you mean like screw up? Yes. No. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Well, let me ask you this, Adriel. When the RO was scoring your targets, did they call out Alpha, Charlie, Delta, or did they say neutralized, failure to neutralize? Neutralize, fail to neutralize. Okay. Well, that's time plus then. Yeah. Yes. But there was still some point system that were being run. So I think that some of the stages would have been worth more points and some of the less. I'm, I'm not really sure. And I, I don't. Oh, I don't yeah. No, no. There's, so, it's, so it's USPSA multi gun scoring where it's time plus and points so you can make some stages carry more points towards the overall match than others maybe that's the way it was run yeah it's in maybe. practice score you can look it up yeah anyways uh so that that's uh that was uh the initial setup i guess uh there were eight stages uh fantastic facility this is in uh saskatoon at their wildlife federation outdoor facility they've got a ton of uh, trap shooting all around there. I couldn't even count how many uh, how many different bays there were. Um, in terms of like action shooting, they had eight bays all the way from 300 meters to 25 meters and everything in between. Uh, and a, a really tight uh, setup in it as well. So you didn't have to walk like a mile to get to the uh, long range. It was, you know, very, very close. Uh, which was a, a really really convenient. Uh, let's see, my first my first stage of the day, um, I, I went and, and shot it, and then the RO said, uh, uh, "Nice run, Frosty." <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's... The RO on the on the first stage was uh, Wes, who's uh, who's a listener of the show and, and actually a, a Patreon as well. Hi, Wes. And, uh, yeah, and and an excellent shooter as well because I think he got tenth overall or something like that. Yeah, so he's, he's awesome. Like, yeah, he's an amazing shooter. Yeah, he put yeah. a lot of stuff on Facebook about the shoot. It was cool to to see all of his pictures and posts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in terms of like how I did at the match, uh, my shotgun and pistol were okay. 
Uh, my rifle was okay, except on the long range. On the long range was 300 uh, meters, and my uh, optic, uh, the glass failed on it. So oh. the, the the front objective, there's some part in there that, that, that was moving around, and it would go from uh, very sharp, easy to look through, to completely blurry. So um, it's still under warranty, so I'm going to send it to uh, uh, to get it warrantied. And uh, hopefully it'll be fixed up for... I, I'm not going to shoot another three-gun match that has long range like that this year, so I've got lots of time. Yeah, that's too bad that it crapped the bed like that. Yeah, yeah, that one that was... I think I was like 27%, which is pretty, pretty, yeah. pretty bad. <laughs> well, I mean, when you don't have optics that work well, I mean, that's obviously understandable. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to hit stuff that's far. <laughs> it's just When like, you can't see it? I don't know why. Just point yeah. you. Yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's Trevor. We'll get to that in a minute, won't we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I got a bunch of hats, uh, and you know, uh, my buddy won some bullets, and like lots and lots of prizes up. There's it was a it was a really great match. Uh, the ROs shot uh, beforehand. There, like I edited my video afterwards, and it is so long. And I was like, why is this video so long? It's because we did so much shooting. The patching was nice and quick. Uh, we moved between these stages pretty quick. Our squads weren't that big. And, uh, yeah, it was a ton of shooting over two days. So, uh, really, really, uh, like the format. And I like, I like the format. <laughs> I like any format where you get to do lots and lots of shooting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lots of shooting is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at different pistols right now, too. So I've, I've got the F and F and S, which, isn't doing anything wrong for me. It's it's running just fine, but I'm still looking at other pistols just to just to kind of try some other stuff. And I'm kind of considering two right now. I would go look at a Shadow Two, but there there's the prices on them is still quite high. Um, CGN right now has a whole bunch of Shadow Ones that people are selling because they're upgrading. And I've seen a, a more than a couple Shadow Ones that are like completely decked out, ready to rock and roll. So like a Shadow One. With like six mags, a holster, a bunch of mag pouches for like a thousand bucks. So those are selling. And the other one I was looking at was the TP9 SFX, which is the TP9 competition gun, ready to rock and roll for uh, uh, more of like an open kind of a gun. But uh, it's it's got uh, cutouts for a red dot, which I probably wouldn't use. Um, as well as a bunch of other stuff on it that's uh, it's a little bit fancier. In so. three gun, if you toss a red dot on your handgun, does it change classes for you or anything? It does. Yeah, you yeah. have to open. Yeah. Oh. Okay. You can't run a red dot or a comp or a racker or any of those kind of things. I think uh, I I'm pretty sure uh, a magwell of some kind is okay. Um, and your extended controls and all that kind of stuff are okay. But yeah, you can't. It depends on the rules that's being followed by that particular match. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it'd be but, like following three gun. Well, it's, uh, I, it's just that I see that uh, that looks like it might be the the new future is is red dots on handguns. I mean, yes. Ipsic is coming out with uh, what they call it, defensive pistol or something. Uh, no. Um, oh, what are they not calling it? Op- carry op- pistol optics or carry optics? Carry, op- carry optics. Carry there we go. I knew it was something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, uh, if Ipsic is starting, if they're, if they're coming up with a, a branch or a, a division all, all basically for duty guns with red dots on it, it seems to me like that might be the direction that duty guns actually go. Just like um, red dots on ARs. That 
that used to not be a thing. And now it seems like every AR has a red dot on it. And if you're running iron sights, you're the weird guy. So I, I, I can kind of see in maybe five, 10 years, if you're running a pistol with iron sights only, you're, you're going to be the, Oh, you're running old school area. Ah, I see. Kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, right? gotta, so you, you get to go in the, uh, in the senior division. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where, where you can't see your sights cause your eyes are so bad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I yeah, was just curious if that was something you might be looking into. Ah, maybe later. Like it's, it's, it's not a, it's not a real big consideration for me at this point. I'm just like, I'm just poking around and, right. and, and really toying around the, the idea that the FNS is doing nothing wrong for me right now. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. where I'm at with my Glock too. My Glock doesn't do anything wrong. Like it, it works and I can hit things with it. So I don't even, I, I'm not even tempted to look at another gun because it's working fine. <laughs> yeah. And especially when you, when you shoot a specific thing like Ipsic or something like that, you don't really like to mess around with the, production gun, the quote-unquote production gun, the gun that you're, like, using and uh, competing yeah. with, right? Yeah. This reminds yeah. me, Matthew, of the time that uh, I was running that big, fancy 700cc Grizzly four-wheeler at SummerSlam, and you're like, I've got a good four-wheeler, you know, it does everything I needed to do, da, 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 and then you took that for a drive. Yeah. But I still back. just like, have my old four-wheeler. I didn't go out and buy one of those ones. It was nice to drive. No, who it was can fun. afford one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that bike was... I, yeah, I bought an airplane, but you're right. I probably couldn't buy a four-wheeler. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, well. Dude, I'm just teasing. Bike. I'm just teasing. <laughs> so, yeah, well, actually, no, you've had time on a shadow. Yep. Yeah, I have. I've shot shadows, too. Yep. Yeah, I've well, shot... and you're also not... Your, your, your Glock is more of a duty pistol to you than it is... You shoot Ipsic. That's my practice. To, Yes, it's it's to stay proficient with your firearm. Yeah, not because you're long longing to be an Ipsic shooter. That's right. If you were longing to be an Ipsic shooter, you'd have an Ipsic gun. That's right. I'm not. Yeah, that's exactly it. Cool. Uh, I wrote an article about using the Browning A5 for three gun because there aren't any articles out there for it. So I wrote one, and I'm gonna. The next thing I'm gonna work on tonight is uh, doing a test on corrosive ammo. Where would and, uh, hey uh, slow down there, yeah. big guy? Um, if somebody wanted to read this article, where would they go to read it? You can't just say, I wrote an article and then not tell people how to go find it. <laughs> On huntinggearguy.com. Oh, okay. There you go. There we go. Forgot to plug. I should plug yeah, more. You should always yeah. plug. Dude, come on. <laughs> uh, let's see. And I'm going to, I'm going to be working on a, a corrosive ammo test feature. So I'm going to cool. do the whole nail test with some corrosive ammo. I'm going to uh, test a couple different cleaning uh, regiments and, uh, you know, just, just kind of show the differences between them. Because I think I've seen a couple of different ways that people do like a nail test where they'll uh, put a bunch of nails into a board and then uh, run the primers of the, of the empty shells onto them and then try some different cleaning products. And I think that's what I'm going to do is just make sure that it's a nail that will actually rust. Yeah, don't use aluminum nails. Or galvanized. Or galvanized. Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. galvanized. Yuck. Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I won't do that. <laughs> now I'm going to test them with some uh, some products that are meant to take corrosive, uh, take care of the corrosive salts, and then I'll test it with some stuff that's See, not. See, here's how you properly test that, though, is you get two SKSs. And one of them, mm -hmm. well, you get three SKSs. You get one of More. them that's your control. You just leave it in the corner. You got to get four. Mm -hmm. You get, so one's in the corner and it just sits there. Then you get one, you shoot non-corrosive through it, and then you clean it. 
And then you then you have you got you got to get five. You got to get five SKS. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah cuz you you have on. one that sits in the corner, one that yep. you shoot corrosive through but you don't clean it, one you shoot corrosive through that you do clean it, one you shoot non-corrosive that you don't clean it, one you shoot non-corrosive that you do clean it. And then yep. you bore Science. scope them and see how they work. So, you got to get five SKSs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll I'll use nails instead. Yeah, nails are cheaper, definitely cheaper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's all I've done in guns. I think that's all I've done in guns. Yeah. All right. Who's well, up next. I, I guess it's well. I'll go next because mine's really quick. I went to the uh, Ipswich, New Brunswick AGM, and um, that was it. <laughs> all right. I didn't do any shooting, unfortunately. I, I just haven't had time. Been very busy. So. Um, that wraps me up, Trevor. What, what did you do? Did you do anything interesting? A few things. Yeah, that's what I did. Um, did I talk about touring the X Metal Factory last week? No, you didn't. You said you were going to save that for this week. Okay. So me and some of the guys here, we drove to a match in Ramouski, Quebec, which is only two hours away. So if you think about it, we drive an hour and a half to shoot in the Miramichi. Well, now we've got another match that's only two hours away, and it was kind of cool. First time shooting in Quebec, and shooting in Quebec is very different because, for some reason, the CFO thinks it's safer if you walk sideways with a loaded gun, which is, I mean, I don't know what you guys, but every time I walk down the street, I'm, I'm sidestepping, right? Well, I never you are a crab, right? go on a front line, right? Yeah, you are a crab. you got to go sideways. Totally like a crab, yeah. right? A crab walk everywhere I go, especially with a loaded gun. Because that's the seems... safe way to do it. Well, it's natural. It really is natural. You would like me to use my feet in the way they were, you know, designed, and that's forward and backwards? Yeah. That's silly talk. That Don't do that. Evolution yeah. doesn't so, know what it's doing. Not a thing. <laughs> no, crab walk with a loaded gun. Thank you, Quebec CFO. So Quebec faces a challenge in that they can't hold level three matches on ranges that are certified by the CFO because he will not allow them to move forward or backwards, which obviously is contrary to Ipsic's freestyle nature. Anyway, they did a great job setting stages up regardless, and um, they were fun. They were challenging. I shot through these things in a wall that looked like slits, but they called them ports. (laughs) It was was something. I'll I'll have to send Adriel a picture so he can post this in the show notes or on Facebook or whatever. Like They were literally just slits that were big enough to get the muzzle of your gun in. Anyway, when the match is done, um, we uh, were uh, invited by president of X-Metal Targets, Etienne Cote, to go back and check out the company. So we got to see uh, his three companies. One, um, Cotec, which is um, a company that makes farm equipment and um, logging equipment, all out of, of course, Air 500 steel, snow plow, stuff like that. And then we got to see where the um, X-Metal targets are designed and where they're cut out and then where they're welded and assembled, stuff like that. And the coolest part of the tour was to visit the X-Metal target ammunition um, plant where they take the bricks of um, alloy. It's not it's not pure lead. It's lead that has all the right amount of tin and stuff like that. Like they're not melting down wheel weights, all right? They're buying the proper alloy. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they're collecting so all the lead shot out of all the duck ponds from uh, years yeah, and years yeah, of duck yeah, hunting with is, lead, is what they're not doing. Yeah, yeah. 
and then uh, so I got to see how the how the bolts are cast, how the uh, high tech coating is put on, how it's baked on. I got to see all the quality control that they do along the way, how they drop this. I don't know how big the weight is. Looks like a big dumbbell. They put a bullet on a piece of flat steel table and then they drop this weight on it to crush it to see if the coating comes off. The coating doesn't come off even when they crush it a second time and the projectile is actually like crushed and the bullet's crushed and splitting and the coating is still staying on. So That's it's, it's quite a product. Yeah. I got to see how they process all of their brass. They've got a tumbler that you and I could get inside of. It's just amazing. All right, let's go. Yeah. Because challenge accepted, a, right? Because that's what we're yes. going to do now. We're going to get inside of it. We're going to come out. Ceramic tumbler, corn cob tumbler. Uh, they got more Dylan 1050s in there than I've ever seen in my whole life combined. <laughs> it was. Uh, they've got some 1050s set up just for processing brass and then some for loading. And um, then they've got a different machine that they use for doing their 9mm that is not a 1050. It looks very industrial-like large manufacturer type setup um so it was neat what else did i do uh while i i i did some work in the uh gun room i found some pegs to put on the or into the slot wall unfortunately the store didn't have enough in stock for me to buy all that i needed to get the guns put on display so they're they're not all out there yet um i ordered some pistol stands you know the ones that are like the folded piece of wire that's powder coated that you stick the muzzle on so I got nine of those and screwed them down to a shelf, and the shelf was on the wall, so all the pistols are out there now. It's pretty cool. Uh, I also put new grips on my Breton 92FS. The Breton 92FS that I have had actually wood grips on it, and yeah, although it was cool, it was original, I wanted the uh, I wanted the black ones on there to make it look more like the gun I wanted when I was a kid. And then um, in my new prototype. Kronos competition holster arrived from Highlander Tactical. So Ryan at Highlander Tactical is going to introduce a new line of competition holsters. And this one is designed to fit on the new Sierra Speed Seabax hanger. So if you are one of the many people who bought a Blade Tech dropped an offset holster and then were told it's not legal for Ipsic because it's not, you can replace the dropped in offset hanger with this Sierra Speed hanger. So Sierra Speed makes a whole line of Ipsic holsters, belts, mag pouches, and now they're making a hanger that goes on your Ipsic belt that you can attach the Blade Tech holster to. So Ryan made a Kydex holster to work with this hanger. So if you got this hanger and you've got a, a gun that you want a Kydex holster for, and you want to use your Sierra Speed hanger, contact Ryan at Highlander Tactical. I actually bought the hanger at Nationals and then mailed it to Ryan so then Ryan could use it for whatever he needed to start creating his his templates. So now he can create a, a, a Kydex holster, I'm sure, for any gun to fit on that hanger. So, I mean, now that I've, I've got this hanger, I could, in theory, get Ryan to make a Kydex holster for any of the guns that I have to attach to this hanger, and I'll always be Ipsic legal because the CR Speed hanger is spaced uh, within the 50 millimeter rule for Ipsic. So pretty awesome. I got this made for my Arsenal Strike 1 that I got from the Calgary Shooting Center this summer. If you don't shop there, you're communist. And I didn't have a holster for it, and I wanted it to be my three-gun pistol, so I'm laughing now. That's all set up. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then finally, I shot the uh, Provincials in St. John this weekend. Um, I shot standard because, unfortunately... 
they were only recognizing divisions that had 10 or more participants in them for awards. Generally, this is something that's only followed at a level three match. Because if you want to give away a presidential medal, you have to have a minimum of 10 people in that division. If there's less than 10 people, you will not receive president's medals from ipsic.org. I've never seen that rule applied to a level two before, but that's what they did. So at the last minute, I had to switch out of classic if I wanted a chance at winning a provincial title. So I stopped shooting my standard gun last year in September. I picked up my classic gun and shot it in a Woodstock match. Remember that match we went to last year? I think so. Yeah, the only match that you and I went to in Woodstock last year was at the end of the year. That'd be the one that I remember. Yep. Yeah. So I've been shooting my classic gun since then. I shot it in that match. I shot it in the three-gun matches I went to. I shot it at the Spring Bang in Halifax. So I've been, I haven't touched my uh, standard gun since last year at the end of September. So thankfully, I took 10 days off. I went on vacation, didn't touch a pistol, came back. The only pistol I, pistol I touched was my Tanfoglio. So uh, it felt good. It felt, it felt like it should feel. It's the most comfortable gun that I have, and it, it just seemed to fit right again. And I went to the range on, we got home Wednesday. I did a little dry fire Thursday night. I went to the range Friday morning, put a boat. I was going to try and put a thousand through it. I might have put between three and 500 through it and then drove to Moncton. Next day, I'm <laughs> shooting it in the match. Nice. And yeah, it was going well. Really you did well. well. You won. So I won. Yep. Yeah. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> how'd you two. do? I won. Oh, there you go. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> scores are on practice score. Uh, under Ipsic New Project 2017 Provincials or something like that. Cool thing that happened was um, about third or fourth stage of the day, on uh, the first day, my front sight broke. Yeah, that's a just, cool thing. Just, that, I think you and I have different definitions of cool. <laughs> well, I learned that I don't need a front sight to hit my targets. Uh, Lies. The whole industry is lies. And lies. They've been lying to us all the time. <laughs> Focus on the front sight. My front sight was gone. What was I going to do? But you're Stop. staring at the ground while you're shooting because that's where my front sight is. I'm focused on it. No, I just, just use the force or something? No, I just <laughs> yeah. looked, at, use the looked force. at the target and pointed the gun at the target, and my bullets went into the target, including the steel. Uh, so there's three shooting locations in this stage. First or second shot in in the second location, the front sight was gone. I said, screw it. Just kept going. Just kept holding the gun in the middle of the target. And I'd bring it down on the steel and hit the steel. I noticed I hit hit a little higher than I normally would have with a front sight. But still got all my hits. Now, the targets weren't exactly at 20 yards, mind you. Uh, So that, of course, made a big difference. But uh, no mics and all my steel in the first shot without a front sight. And Lorette had, uh, it was a fiber optic front sight. Lorette was also shooting a 10 Foglio, and he had a, just a plain black front sight. So now it's black on black, no fiber optic. Ugh. I quickly found a silver paint pen in my range bag, painted it silver. Uh, we didn't sight it in or anything, and we just put it on, and I continued to shoot the rest of the match. Took a couple of stages to get used to not seeing that green dot in my rear notch. Whatever, I made it through the whole match with no mics, no penalties, and uh, won by, I don't know, 5 or 7% or something like that over the uh, same guy that I beat last year. So I was pretty pumped about that. Um, yeah. Yeah? That's it. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, you had a good time at the provincials, then. That's awesome. Congratulations on your first place win. I didn't say I had a good time. I said I won. <laughs> we all know that you're having <laughs> a good time when you're winning. Well, yeah. <laughs> all right. Upcoming events. From Charles is his first one. Oxford, Nova Scotia is holding a hunting and fishing expo. It's their first time having such an event. It's put on by the rink committee and will be held at the rink. Uh, it'll be held September 30th and October 1st. There will be vendors at the tables available for sending related or selling related things. So if you're interested in more info, you can send an email to Matthew at mattwood1987 at yahoo.ca. And then we have a Sporting Clays update forwarded from Jason. He says, an exciting Alberta Provincial Champion was held at Hidden Ridge, Hidden Ridge just outside of Lloydminster, Alberta, over the weekend. Thank you very much to Alvin Flath and his team of helpers for hosting this annual prestigious event. I thought the targets were bang on for testing the Shooters Championship medal. Congratulations to Tom Stenger, who won high overall in the championship match. And congrats to Stu Carter, who won high overall in the... A prey provincial match. I don't know what a prey is, but whatever. Um, Adriel, three gun update. Yeah, we've got uh, the Vancouver Island three gun nation match coming up this Saturday, and then the weekend afterwards is going to be busy as well. There's going to be the Ontario Action Shooting uh, Club is going to have uh, their match. There's the three gun outlaw shoot at the Rock Cut. Chaz three gun's going to have a match. Uh, they're taking the whole range again, so that'll be a, that'll be a cool one. And the Restigouche multi-gun is going to happen that weekend afterwards as well. That'll be on September the 9th. And uh, I think the organizer's going to have some uh, interesting stages uh, set up for that one. Very cool. Or not, you know. Oh, they will be. <laughs> hey, uh, would you guys, like, um, just thinking aloud here, would you guys go to a two-gun match where you had to use older stuff? No. So you had to use an well, I know you okay, you wouldn't. I'm in. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm just I'm toying around with the idea of uh of putting on like a two gun match where you have to bring an older rifle and an older pistol, or at least a, a, a rep- reproduction of an older rifle or older pistol. Isn't uh run paper Cowboy action. Very good. No. <laughs> no. Cowboy action is is uh, lever action and black no. powder. I'm talking like World War One, World War Two stuff. Uh, that would be fun. Sweet. I'd do that if I had those firearms. Like Grand, yeah, uh, carb, M1 Grand, carbine, a 19, and, uh, yeah, 1911, a Grand, yeah. and uh, like uh, one of them Model uh, 37 uh, Winchester shotguns that they used. Uh, what do they call them? The trench, trench shotguns. I'm up. Okay, I'm, I'm with you up to the shotgun because I don't think many people have the shotguns, but they do the have the rifles. One. The Rinko makes a trench gun. It's the clone of the Winchester. Yeah, like you can so you could, fire and everything. Yeah, you could do that. Um, but like you said, Adriel, not everybody has that. But almost everybody could probably find an old, well, not a Garand, but an old Lee Enfield or something, Mosin. or a Mosin, Mosin or and then some sort of old pistol. I think yep. that'd be fun. So right now we'd like to welcome Ben Click from CR64 Riflecraft, who's joining us this evening. Uh, hi, Ben. How are you? Hey, pretty terrific, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on Slamfire Radio. I'm excited and been looking forward to this. Wow, why? 
<laughs> so hey, you guys, you guys do so much. You know, seriously, you guys do so much for raising awareness about shooting uh, sports and disciplines, and, and you move the discussion forward in a pretty intelligent and entertaining way. So we're I'm sorry, happy to be part of it. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. I, 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 I know I'll we spend more time in the range. But yeah, I'll no, send you the EMT great. for a hundred bucks later for saying those nice things to us, like I asked you to. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> well, I will take I take threats and bribery equally. So excellent, perfect. <laughs> you can work that in. So, Ben, why don't you tell the listeners all about yourself and about Sierra 64 Rifle Craft as well? Uh, great, yeah. Thanks, Kelly. Um, Sierra 64 Rifle Craft, uh, our tagline is that we help you fire perfect shots on demand under pressure. And if you're new to shooting or looking to improve beyond your current skills, we can help you fast forward over a couple years of time, money, and internet-based frustration learning to, to shoot your best. Um, this I mean, I've been been helping people shoot for for a while, and about and I've always known that I've enjoyed helping other people improve. And about two and a half years ago, I, I noticed I was spending more and more time on the range, my range time, uh, helping other people shoot better, whether that was my my family or friends or some poor random stranger uh, who who was struggling. And uh, this one day, there was a fellow there with a real nice rifle set up. Uh, beautiful scope and ammo but he was just plain struggling and I ended up spending about four hours with him and at the end of it he kind of looks at me and says can I pay you for this and I said sure yes. <laughs> yeah that's always the right answer if someone asks you yeah. money yes yeah absolutely so slowly the light bulb went on and my wife and I sat down and and uh what I tell people now is that I'm basically like the little old lady you bring over to teach your kid pianos but mm. with guns um, <clears throat> we help people basically improve on, on their shooting. Um, we believe that mindset comes before skill way above gear. And, and what we mean by that is that the mindset is basically, it's a series of mental tools, habits, and attitudes that we can help you with, uh, to allow you to fire that perfect shot on demand under pressure. Uh, it's like, <clears throat> it's like you've read all the same books I've read. Ah, excellent! All the all the Lanny Basham mental management guru stuff. <laughs> Indeed, absolutely, man. There's 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 nothing finer. Um, you know, written written by Saint Lanny uh, and yes, exactly. preach preach preached by the Pope Keith Cunningham. Yeah, uh, Writ- written by Rant Lanny, read by Troy. Have you ever met Lanny? Uh, I have just the yeah. once and very briefly, but. Uh, I mean, what he teaches has absolutely uh, influenced my life, both as a sniper, as a competitive shooter, uh, as a parent, just as a, a general person. And, and and frankly, that's what our Sierra 64 Rifecraft can really do. I mean, we can help you with skill. We can teach you what and how to practice. We can teach specific fundamental skills customized to your needs. And we can help you with gear. I mean, we, we can teach you how to use all the gear. I mean, the sure. gear we have now is fabulous. Um, we don't sell gear, but we can point you to some great people. Um, but it's really the mindset. I mean, anybody pretty much can teach you how to press a trigger, but how to really excel and how to be able to press a trigger uh, on demand under pressure. And it, it can, it's funny. I mean, have you ever ever had the experience where you fire, say, a five-round group? What well, doesn't matter what firearm is, but you fire a first four rounds of a five-round group, and, oh, man, they're beautiful. They're oh, they're just above bug holes. Like, mm, boy, you got one round left. And it's like, oh man, I hope I don't screw it up. Oh, I hope it. Oh, and then there it is. You got that magic flyer off to the side. Well, the the, the mindset stuff that Lanny and Keith and Troy and, and so many other people and myself uh, believe in and live 
it allows us to even that tiny bit of pressure to overcome that mm-hmm. and perform as we know we're capable of, but be able to do it on demand under pressure every time we need to. Yeah, right. I had one. So, I had one shot left to make in at Mag Forty to score three hundred, and the second I started mm-hmm. to think about that, I stopped. <laughs> I stopped, and my experience in competition and my experience with the mental management system taught me where I was going. It was I knew I was about to have a pitfall, and as soon as I started thinking about the score and that I only had one more perfect shot to make, I immediately went, whoa, put on the brakes, stop, reset, <laughs> go back to thinking about the trigger press or the front sight, anything but I only have one shot left, anything but... I already have 299 in the bank, right? It was, but most people without the, ba- the the mental training background don't recognize the mental error they're about to make. Don't stop themselves and flub that last shot because their their conscious mind is now thinking about the outcome and not the task at hand, not the not That's the process. Right. Absolutely, we when we become focused on on results instead of performance, that's that's when we start to fall apart. And we've we've all been there. Um, and, you know, like I tell the story, I said when I, I joined the Army, uh, I knew I was 18, farm boy, fresh out of the hills, and I, I said I knew I was going to have to be tough, mentally strong, but I figured they were going to teach me that in the Army. And, oh, yeah. But, but in boot camp and infantry training, I mean, they told us to be tough, but they never really told us what that meant. Um, went on to jump course, airborne indoctrination uh, course, and again, they, they demanded mental strength, but never told us exactly how. On the sniper and master sniper courses, again, they, the same thing. They repeatedly spoke mental strength, but nobody really nailed it down to what that was. Uh, later, even in selection for Pathfinder platoon, our most specialized platoon, uh, mental toughness was demanded but never described. But then that one summer on a competitive shooting team, I was coached by Keith Cunningham, uh, whom you know. I, uh, you probably run across Keith before a few times, eh? Actually, I'm not sure if I'm familiar with Keith. Oh, you Bill are... Con- luck oh yep. man i am envious of you people out in central canada because you are <laughs> only a couple miles away from keith cunningham and linda miller yep. uh who are are uh, um, linda miller sounds familiar yeah, yeah they, she's more they of a civilian con- yeah they run milcom that's absolutely yep. right kelly Which yeah and far away. nope a couple hours north of toronto i think they're about three and a half they're they're out by the halliburton area yep. um and they are i uh, Keith is probably the most, uh, one of the two most influential courses in military shooting, uh, living in Canada currently. Um, absolutely opened my eyes. He introduced us to mental management, uh, and that gave me a, po- a series of powerful, specific mental tools on how to be mentally strong. So the first time somebody actually taught us what it was like to perform under pressure on demand, and it, it, li- it literally changed my life. So it's, it's obviously a huge part of what we do. Uh, and like I said, I'm envious you guys are, are close enough, and I encourage you and uh, each of you and, and anybody listening to, to get out and see uh, Keith Cunningham or Linda Miller at Milcon uh, Training, uh, again, just north of, of Toronto. And they're, they're, what I tell people is sell one of your guns and go and see Keith, and, and you will be a more competent and happier shot for it. Uh, absolutely encourage you to get out there and see those two people if you can make it out there. Well, that's you, Kelly, because you're the only one that lives anywhere near there. Uh, there's plans actually to go up and 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 do just that. I'm that's not selling. Cool. Well, maybe I will sell a gun or two, but yeah. Well, sell somebody else's gun and do it. But, yeah. Um, oh, I can do that. Go- <laughs> 
Just like go to a friend's house instead. Yeah. Sell, sell one yeah. of Matthew's guns. Yeah, I got many. I don't have many. Should sell Trevor's uh, guns. If no, you got more than one, mentioned. sell one and go up there, and, and you'll be happier for it for sure. Um, but yeah, Keith and Keith and uh, Linder, one of the businesses we we are proud to associate ourselves with and and to endorse because they will uh, uh, you'll walk away from there uh, sore, tired and uh, anxious to get on with, with improving yourself. It's a very worthwhile experience. I trained under Keith directly for three years, I believe. Oh. Uh, three summers on, uh, on various rifle teams. And uh, it, it certainly, like I say, it literally changed my life. So it's, it's worth doing. Um, okay. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I go was, ahead. I was just going to ask you, what types, because you also do, not only do you, do rifle courses you'll also do pistol right yeah we uh we run uh, although primarily we do uh, precision rifle we also teach carbine and pistol and we right. can start with introductory i had uh, an awesome family out a couple weeks ago who had literally never touched a firearm before and we had them uh, had them hitting uh, uh, grapefruit sized gongs at 300 meters uh, you know first wow. day first day out so it was it was pretty 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 good day, uh, pretty much. Who, but we can start at introductory level, and then pretty much as far as you want to go. Now, I can take you as far as I can, or if I find that there's an area that, that you're interested in that isn't my forte, I'm networked with a with a series of other uh, quality instructors uh, who I'd be able to to hook you up with and, and get you training. I always tell people that I do not care if you train with Sierra 64 Riflecraft. I honestly don't. Not near as much as I do care that you do. Get so, although, yeah, so we, we don't run prepackaged courses. We sit down with the individual or the group, and mm-hmm. we find out what it is they want to do, and then we customize and custom tailor the, the training to their needs so that you're getting more out of it rather than, than just kind of taking a cookie-cutter course. Uh, and if we at that time we find out that your needs are slightly different than what we're doing, we either send you to, to one of our associated schools or we, uh, we bring in one of their instructors to, uh, to match your needs. Uh, all of our instructors are either current or retired military snipers, they're, uh, or they're police or other law enforcement officer firearms trainers, and all of them have got operational and or competition experience. Uh, each one of them brings something something new to the table, and uh, they usually walk away from one of these guys' courses pretty humbled and uh, pretty determined to get on with learning some new stuff. They all, all bring something different. Okay. Now... I didn't get a chance to meet you this summer. We were supposed to. You're out in Edmonton. Uh, sorry, Edson, not Edmonton. You're out uh, in Ed- Edson. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm physically located just outside of Edmonton and St. Albert. Okay. Uh, but we, uh, for long range stuff, we're using the Edson longest mile range. Uh, but we've trained a private and public ranges, club ranges, uh, pretty much all over Alberta. Okay. Uh, and like I say, we... We will travel to where uh, wherever the individual needs, or uh, and then customize the training to, to meet their needs. Okay. So what I was going to tell everybody is that you took part not only yourself but your whole entire family in a maple seed uh, this summer as well. So everybody in the family's shooters. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've got three adult kids uh, and my wife, all of whom shot. Uh, my uh, three adult kids and I came out to uh, a fabulous day uh, uh, with Rick and, and everybody else out in uh, the Edson for the Maple Seed shoot. And I I thoroughly endorse and I encourage everyone at all levels to go and shoot Maple Seed. It will do nothing but benefit um, 
whether you're a brand new shooter or you're an experienced instructor, you're going to find some new way to, to explain or understand something. It's, uh, it's something worth doing. It's a fabulous program and excited to see it, uh, it take off so well. Well, thank you. Now, your, your daughter shot, right? She did, your, yeah. Your two sons shot. Mm-hmm. Did your wife shoot as well? She wasn't able to make it out that day. She does oh, okay. shoot, but she didn't make it out to that one as well. Okay. Um, I uh, I experienced a. <laughs> I gave my kids my good guns, and and my scope <laughs> melted down midway through, but I managed to scrape past. Uh, but my uh, all three of my kids, or sorry, uh, yeah, all three of my kids outshot me that day on their first try. So I was uh, pretty proud as a it's as a proud and a father. So yeah, proud dad moment. And your daughter is in some pretty. Uh, well, she's one of three Canadian rifle women. Is that right? Yeah, only, there's only three. I'm wow. one of them. She's one, and then there's another lady who is in in Sis- Saskatchewan. So, well, that's, that's awesome. That's fabulous and and awesome and terrible at the same time. We're definitely going to get some more ladies out. We are going to um, get more ladies. Absolutely. Yeah, right. no, that was that was uh, one of the best days of marksmanship we spent as a family in a very long time. So, thank you for it. Nice. Well, you're welcome, and thank you for actually saying that. Saying that, it's really nice of you to say that. Um, I did want to. I did want to ask you about your courses. Mm-hmm. One other thing. So, you talk about marksmanship, and you talk. Mm-hmm. What are you hoping people will come from your go home from with your courses? You know, so they'll go to your course. What do you want them to come and walk away with? What I want them to come away with, uh, first of all, is a pile of homework. Uh, when you okay. finish your, your day of training, what uh, I'll back up a little bit. What we provide is training. Training is structured passage of knowledge under a skilled instructor. You don't actually learn anything in training. You learn what and how to practice. Once you go home over the next month or so, you go and you repeat those lessons that you've been exposed to during training. And that's when you really learn them. It, training tells you what and how to practice. Practice is where you come to learn those, to really own those skills. Uh, one of my one of my students put it very well. It says, "Training where you sign the mortgage. Practice is where you make the payments. When you come to own it." So we want people to go away with a pile of homework. That's reading. That's we're huge into dry firing. Um, it's we send them to video videos to to learn. Um, and they go away with a structured training plan, practice plan, for about a month, and then come back again for another day of training. We confirm what they've learned, and then move on to the next. So we send them home with a pile of homework, and uh, hope probably a little sore, definitely tired, uh, but hopefully fired up to, to get on with this practice and actually come learn the skills. Awesome. Do you guys uh, have any other questions for, for Ben? How long no, have you been shooting for? Have, have I, how long have I been shooting for? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well, I, I tell people that I am a lifelong student of the rifle. Uh, I have been humbled by more different kinds of shooting and had my ass kicked in more different ways behind a firearm uh, than I care to remember. Um, short answers, I, I joined the Army at 18. I'd done some farm boy shooting uh, before that. I did 20 years in the infantry in the Canadian Airborne Regiment, uh, including uh, two commando and then in the Pathfinder platoon. I did a. Uh, I was trained as a master sniper. I did two major operational deployments as a sniper in Somalia in '92, '93, and then Kosovo in '99, uh, and then a bunch of other smaller stuff in between. Uh, but it really 
on, on the technical side of shooting, not the operational side, but on the technical and the competitive side, uh, I got to spend three or four years on, on a bunch of different rifle teams shooting uh, F-Class, sniper rifle, service rifle, and service pistol up to about an international and national level, um, U.S., uh, Canada, a couple other places. Uh, but then I got to compete in the U.S. and Canada on the sniper side. There's separate sniper competitions that are military and police sniper only, and they're more on the operational side. And the cool part about those is uh, two things. Um, it's really the application of everything we talk about and everything we practice and train for on the competitive side of shooting, but then actually applying it. Uh, and the other thing is is the sniper competitions, have, were they were the basis behind a lot of this PRS shooting that's just so taken off so well, and it, it it has progressed so far so fast, and it just excites me to see so many people uh, out there shooting PRS uh, and and doing, frankly, quite well uh, with, you know, minimal time and exposure. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about the PRS. And what excites me about it is the people who are super, who are really effective at it, they're really successful, um, are the ones who are applying the, the same marksmanship fundamentals that I learned in basic recruit school and that you guys teach in Maple Seed. Um, we always said in the Army that fundamentals win firefights. And it certainly wins, uh, certainly wins uh, PRS competitions or Olympic gold medals. Um, uh, so my PRS is a growth area. And uh, if anybody hasn't tried it, go out and give it a shot. Uh, <laughs> give it a shot. Out. Get it? Because you said give it a shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, long answer to a short question. I, I've been uh, seriously shooting since I joined the Army at about 18. And uh, uh, like I said, I've been humbled so many times. Um, when, recently, uh, just, sorry, go ahead. When you when you joined the military, what was the service rifle? Yeah, it was the <laughs> finest firearm that 1972 could produce. And I joined in the <laughs> mid-80s. And my rifle was literally older than I was. It was an FNC-1A1. Right. Um and uh, it was truly a humbling rifle. I, I, I haven't shot one in a couple of years now, but they're a uh, comparatively difficult, wonderful, but comparatively difficult rifle to shoot. Um, moved on through the, uh, the, the C7 family, uh, and I saw the transition from the original C3 through the C3A1 and then into the 50 sniper rifles. What, uh, sorry, uh, what, the were, and the... what were your feelings when you transitioned from the FN to the uh, AR platform? Uh, very happy about it because uh, the bottom line is more people were going to be able to hit more more bad guys more rapidly and more effectively. So how do you um, feel about the U.S. military um, recently uh, announcing that they're going to go back to the thirty caliber? Just because the Army does something doesn't mean it's the best. <laughs> um, uh, both are effective. But yeah, yeah, they say military military grade, that means made by the lowest bidder, yeah. Um, nothing's too good for the troops, so nothing is what they'll get. That's right. But, um, <laughs> I mean, change is constant. And what I always say is, is it's just a stick. The rifle is just a stick. Some are easier to operate than others, um, but it's really the rifleman, not the rifle. Right. Do you feel that with yeah. the longer engagement ranges that the military is uh, experiencing recently, is is that a good reason to go back to the thirty caliber? Uh, I don't know. I, I certainly don't pretend to speak for the whole U.S. military. Oh, obviously. And, no, I'm just asking your opinion. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, remember, my, I've been out for a good 15 years, so, yep. so my, my knowledge is dated, but my own personal opinion, um, there are different tools in the bag for for different uh, 
for right. different needs. So instead of so instead of getting one firearm that does all, they should maybe start looking at diversifying their firearms instead. Having one, I don't this. know, and yeah. I, I, I wish I wish I could have the magic answer and yeah. say A or B or A and B. Um, the reality comes down to basically it comes down to training. Right. Uh, I, I, I explain the differences. Um, I drive the finest. 13-year-old minivan that that, uh, that money can buy. Bucks can buy. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you put me in a Formula One race car, I would be lucky to make it around the track alive. Right. But any skilled F1 driver is going to kick my ass in about two seconds flat around that track. Right. It really comes down to the to the operator, not the not the system. Think, right. But um, well, that being said, you wouldn't take a certain. pistol caliber carbine out to a firefight in Afghanistan. Not by preference. No. Right. Um, <laughs> It, it, what the military needs is, it, the problem with, the only problem with rifles as opposed to carbines is that they require much more training right. and they require a certain mindset. The rifle, the rifle requires something of us. It requires that we calm our fears, yep. that we focus our minds and calmly send our energies downrange. That's uh, hard to do under demanding. fire sometimes. Yeah, it is mentally and physically demanding to fire a rifle to its full capabilities, but it is the queen of battle. Yeah. And no other lesser weapon offers the same capabilities that a rifle does. Yeah. But if you're training a mass army with minimal um, firearms training uh, or skill or, or, frankly, I got out of the course of the 36 different qualifications. Does that mean I could do all of them well? Absolutely not. There is so much skill fade uh, associated with military service that you may be qualified something but able to do it. Not so much. Right. So the question then becomes, can the military devote adequate time and resources to marksmanship? I think they should, but I'm a little biased. Of course, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, there's competing training demands. Um, would I feel undergunned with either a 30 cal or a 5.56, a 9 mil or a 40 or a 45? No. Uh, it really does come down to preference, and it really does come down to what the, what the tool is for. Right. Um, you know, we can point to historically the Australians carried uh, 308 762 battle rifles, FNs, into uh, Vietnam, but I don't know that that's the ideal tool for that environment. Right. Yeah. Um, mm. So, that's a good point. Do we drag around a, a golf bag full of rifles? Eh, maybe not. But do we have an option to to go across the spectrum of suitable firearms? Uh, that may be useful. Yeah. But again, it comes down to to mindset of the user. So. Yeah. What uh, what would your favorite rifle be for uh, precision shooting? Do you have like a, a, a preferred setup? Do you, do you have an action that you like? Do you prefer Remington over Savage? That sort and of thing. caliber. And caliber, yeah. And 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 then talk about your glass a little bit. Ah, okay. We'll talk about glass first because right. I am that guy <laughs> who bought every crappy rifle scope on the way up to the proper one that he finally owns. I, uh, for the first time in my life, about four years ago, I got a quality piece of glass that the government didn't own. We had some good scopes in the Army, but but yeah. I bought a lot of shitty scopes because I was in the Army. I, I couldn't afford anything. Uh, Can we guess? Decent. Uh, as long as it's anything that begins with nut and ends with eight force, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, all of them. Uh, what I'm excited about, guys, with, with with the gear. And remember, I said the mindset comes before skill, way over gear. Yeah. The nice part is the gear we have now is so good. Oh my gosh, I built a, a custom rifle. I think my wife and I ate potato soup for a month to afford this thing in 1989, and it was pretty much cutting edge for the time and it still is an inherently accurate rifle 
but so are the rifles that my kids bought off the rack mm. <laughs> for a fraction of the cost yeah. and a lot less heartache. So the equipment uh, has progressed. The, the rifles are better. The barrels are better. The, the triggers are the standard is much higher. The stocks are simpler. Um, bipods are a thing now, which is wonderful. <laughs> um, you know, but nothing has come as far as quality affordable glass. Um, the quality of glass that's out there, any of the high-end uh, scopes that are out there will certainly do what I, as a recreational competitive shooter, need to do now. Uh, I'm actually together a student rifle because I'm getting more students that don't own their own firearms. So I'm putting a few student guns together, and it's going to be what, uh, what I tell students to go out and buy if they haven't bought a, a rifle before. And it's going to be uh, either a Savage um, 10 or a Remington 700. And it's going to have a very basic but capable scope called an SWFA Super Sniper on it, 10 power. Uh, and we'll be shooting standard uh, match ammo of one brand or another out of it. Uh, maybe in 223, maybe in 308. I haven't made my mind up yet. Can I, can I interrupt for a quick aside? Please. Do you prefer Please. variable power scopes or fixed? That's a good question. Um, it again depends on what it's, uh, used to be that <laughs> it's one of those things that I've learned to be wrong about. I used to be, oh, we don't need anything over 12 power and we don't need a uh, variable because they're more dependable in the field. And that was true in the eighties. Uh, the variable scopes that we have now are just as strong and capable as, as the, uh, uh, the fixed power. Yeah. It used to be that the variable power ones were prone to breaking and, and absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing that happened is my eyes turned past 40 and all of a sudden <laughs> it's pretty nice. I, I ended up, uh, a very gracious friend of mine sold me a, a night force five to 25. Um, and I can see holes much further than I, than I could before. Uh, and I can watch Mirage and I, I can see things better than I could, but that's also a function of, of my eyes being their age. Um, but I remind students that when you learn to fly, an airplane, you don't start with the F-18 fighter jet. Oh, wrong analogy, buddy. You got a pilot on board here. Now we're talking airplanes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We won't do that. <laughs> but you get my point. Yes. You would understand even better than I would then that we, we don't start on the highest power, most expensive piece of equipment. And I encourage people to go out, buy any off-the-rack, off decent-grade rifle, um, put a decent set of ring and mounts on it, put a decent set of glass on it, and there's so many out there that are so good. Uh, and go out and shoot it. Just go out and shoot and train and access some of these. The other thing that's improved is the number and quality of firearms trainers. There's 10 teachers now uh, that there was, was even 10, 15 years ago. Get out and get the training. I would far rather see somebody with a stock 700 and a super sniper with a Chinese-made bipod out there shooting and taking courses uh, as a matter of fact, one of the guys uh, that just finished a, a local trainer's course, he topped the course with exactly that setup. And he was shooting against ten and $12,000 uh, uh, rifle systems. Uh, again, it, it comes back to the rifle and not the rifle. Yep. So short, long answer to a short question is there are so many good ones out there, um, and there's, there's so many people shooting now that you go out and get something, uh, shoot it, and if you don't like it, sell it, and somebody else will pay you damn near as much as you paid for it, anyways. Yeah, right. especially if you sell it on CGN. 
Uh, absolutely. <laughs> then it's worth twice as much. You have to charge for your labor of assembling it. Of too. course. You put the scope there on there. Obviously, that's, that's a charge. Right. <laughs> Don't do that for free. <laughs> but yeah, short answer. There, there's so much good stuff out there. If, like you say, if somebody's starting Savage or, or a, uh, a Remington, put the, the SWFA Super Snipers, I think it's $427. Oh, that's not for bad. A scope. Yeah, for a decent scope. Uh, you can get 10, 15, or 20 power, 10, 12, 15, or 20 power. Say the name of it uh, again. It's SWFA, and they're a, they're a major optics company down in the States, uh, SWFA.com. They only export their proprietary brand, and they only export it to individuals. They won't sell to dealers, and of course, they're not going to cut out their distributors for loopholes or night force. Or and, and there's no problem with to, they'll send it across the border? direct then? Uh, yes, they will absolutely send it across the border cool. to individuals. And what you do is you email them at international at swfa.com. Explain that you're looking, explain exactly the model you're looking for, and they will send you an invoice and then they mail it to you. Cool. Um, they just started to, for years, guys were sneaking them across the border. <clears throat> Not that I ever did that. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, they, just in the last year and a half, they've started exporting them to Canada, and they're quite happy to do so, but they don't advertise it for some reason. But, uh, but yeah, international at swfa.com. Let them know what you want, and they'll hook you up. Uh, best bang for your buck of any scope out there. Um, the only time I've ever, I've owned four of them, I sold one, uh, and I improperly packaged it. So when it arrived destroyed in the mail, uh, I had the sender, the, the buyer send it back to me. I spoke to SWFA, and not only did they fix it, but they, they repair, replaced it with a brand new scope, even though it was my fault. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Stunning. I didn't expect that. Uh, but for $427, you get a repeatable, um, fixed power, uh, mill, mill or MOA, MOA scope. Um, and if you don't like it, or when you want to move on to, to better glass, because there is better glass out there, but you're paying five times as much, yeah. four or five times as much, um, you can sell that and, and move on to something better. But get out there and shoot. Get out there and train. Take a maple seat course before you do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean it. it, it, yeah. it, it, it why get onto the jet fighter until you learn to fly? Um so by all means, get an SWFA, do a maple seed, take an out. I mean, pick one, a Tika, a Savage, a Remington, pick any of those brands, any of the others, and get out there and shoot, 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 train, train, train. Um, I wish these were the things that people had said to me because uh, I was one of the guys that, that, that bought all the cool guy gear, uh, but then only learned to use it when I joined the Army. So um, by all means, go out and, and buy the gear, but also invest in yourself, invest in the mindset and the skills. I have one more question for you. Then we're going to cut you loose because we got uh, we got the rest of the show to record still. Um, All right. Uh, scopes that have parallax error adjustment, either on the front uh, or on the side. What are your feelings on those? It helps. Yeah. Uh, we shot for years without it, but my grandfather also cleared northern France and Holland with a bolt action rifle. Right. I don't think yeah. I want to try that either. <laughs> um, parallax is probably a little overstated. Uh, in most consumer marketing, okay, uh, you most fixed parallax scopes will shoot just fine at the range they're intended. So if you've got a scope intended for longer range and their parallax is set longer, that's fine. Uh, the problem really comes, the only time I've really run into problems is when 
I used a fixed parallax long range scope, and I tried to use tried to use it as twenty two for silhouette shooting. Oh yeah, that's a problem. Like seventy five, yeah. twenty five meters. Yeah, well, no, it work. was it was bad. <laughs> yeah, especially in the you know. Those, remember I, I talked about the part where I got my ass kicked and yeah. humbled. Okay, that's where I started to understand parallax, and I do encourage people to to get a scope with parallax adjustment. The ice, the I call it the the, the eye box, the place where you can actually place physically put the center of your pupil behind. A scope mm-hmm. is about the size of a sugar cube. Yeah, it's not very big. And no, it's not very big at all, even on the high end scopes. Um, so, trying to get your center, your pupil, inside the very physical three dimensional center of that sugar cube uh, can be difficult, especially depending on the rifle. Yeah. So, by having a parallax adjustment, it's just one more thing you can adjust out of right. the equation, make your life easier. Right. So good, good to have. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's on the side or the front, um, but uh, one or the other. Right. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth worth having, but not not the end all be all. I, I lied. I have one more question. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, mill dot or MOA? Short answer doesn't matter. I do encourage people to go. I'm just starting to again. I've, uh, I'm, I'm starting to understand what I don't know. Mm-hmm. I encourage people to go, uh, my age and younger, to go on to the mill dot, because or onto mill mill systems, yeah. because it's it's a metric tool, and most of us these days are metric tools. Yeah. We're more comfortable. Uh, it's easier to divide, multiply by ten. It's a simpler concept. In terms of you know which has better adjustment at a thousand meters, uh, I sat there and did the math. And at a thousand meters, the difference between clicking your windage in your scope one tenth of a mil or clicking a quarter MOA, um, both those will make adjustments. But the difference between the fineness or the the resolution of those adjustments, mm-hmm. if you take two of your your index finger and your middle finger and put them together, that's, that's the it, difference. Huh? It's just that's, under an inch. So it's not. Yeah, that's so, really not something you got to worry about in that regard. Maybe you do. I don't. No, I certainly don't. <laughs> you know, yeah, most human shooters uh, are not going to be able to, to shoot better than, you know, a couple fingers width at a kilometer. Yeah. Right. So, I would, uh, I it doesn't really so. matter. All right, yeah. cool. Well, man, it was really good having you on. I, I learned a lot of stuff, and uh, you're really fun to talk to. We should have you on again sometime. We should. Oh, anytime. I'm more than happy to, to work with you guys. You guys are doing awesome. And, again, I thank you for, for raising awareness and moving that discussion forward in such a fun way. Oh, thanks, Ben. Yeah. Right on. If anybody does want to get in contact with me, um, I spend my time teaching and shooting, so I don't have a Facebook. Or I don't have a, uh, a web page, but I do have a Facebook page, Sierra Six Four Riflecraft, or you can drop me an email at Sierra Six Four Riflecraft at gmail dot com, um, or just go on and look for Sierra Six Four Riflecraft. Uh, if you look for Sierra Six Four, you end up with some guy in California who's looking for love. But if you look for CR6 for a rifle craft, uh, you find me. So, so there's a little right. bit of something out there for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, guys. Thank you much for everything today. Well, thank well, you very much for coming on. Thanks again. See you on the range. Thanks again to Ben to come on the show and talk to us about stuff and things, and it was great. So <laughs> thank, thank you, Ben. <laughs> Let's do He's the news. Awesome yeah, he, he was very good. Very, very fun to talk to. Um, the news. So SNJ has a new website. So you can go to snjhardware.com if you want to see the new website. That's it's nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. AJ, why don't you bring us through uh, this new gun stuff that you put in here? Because you do sure. a job of that. 
Uh, Arms East just got a new shipment in of the ALG ACT triggers. These are a single stage trigger for an AR-15. They're 90 bucks. They're a pretty good upgrade over a mil spec trigger. Uh, without getting too crazy into your two three hundred dollar triggers, right? So okay, so it's sort of like yeah, you, you you don't want the, the the crappy one that came with your gun, but you don't want to spend like you said two three hundred bucks for a crazy one. You get something like this. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. my buddy's got one of these. Very good. Uh, Reliable Gun got in some T three X CTRs in six point five Creedmoor, and I love it. I love it so much. That looks really cool. Bag. I like that. 6.5 Creed more in a Tika. Mmm. Mmm. I want one. Mmm. <laughs> That's got I a, it's one. got a good, the rifle itself has a good look to it too. It's, it's nice and clean and, uh, yeah. Bull barrel looks like a, th- mm. a threaded bull barrel. And then, yeah. An integrated scope rail. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I kind of think I want to get one for it. Doesn't have season. a doesn't have a super long uh, barrel either, which I like. I like no. the short barreled rifles, so it looks like what maybe twenty inches, maybe twenty two tops. Uh, it says it's twenty four on the 24. website. Is it really? Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. Huh. yeah. All right. Well, twenty four is still all right. Yep. And it's yeah. thirteen hundred and fifty. All right, Still really cool. Uh, okay, so you guys got to take a look at this link here because Canada okay. Ammo is bringing in a whole bunch of other Turkish guns, <laughs> and there's there's a lot of diversity in there. Before they had like Dominion Arms, uh, they had a couple of uh, Chinese made ones. They had their backpack, it's like a folding single shot, and they had their Dominion Arms uh, eight seventy clones, the short ones, and all that kind of stuff. There. If you guys are checking that out, there's a whole pile of stuff there. That that shorty over and under looks. A little cool. wrong, but cool at you. the same time. It looks wrong. Now the side by side looks right. Yeah, but but I kind of I'm intrigued the by the over under though because you don't normally see an over under like this. This looks like somebody took Grandpa's really good nice trap gun that you should never defile in such a way and then took a hacksaw to it. Exactly. Yeah, filed it heavily. <laughs> doesn't look natural. It doesn't, but I but natural. I but I like it though at the same time. Don't like it. It's like a train wreck. I can't look away. Mm-hmm. Trevor's <laughs> spoken. Don't well, it like doesn't it. matter. I don't have to like what Trevor likes. Right so, yeah. Well, the, the side Mossberg by side looks really cool too. Uh, Mossberg have had a, a shotgun called the Maverick that was a, a shortened uh, over under. Not this short. That we. No, not this short. No. This is short, short. <laughs> yeah, theirs was uh, twenty inches, I think. Their Maverick. Uh, oh no, the Condor. I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the Condor. I don't you know. I don't remember. The black tactical one looks just like the Cincinnati 870 clone that I wanted the charity shoot. Mm, it does look very similar, doesn't it? I was going to comment on that as well. Like that stock is that standard Turkish uh, expand extendable stock that you see. Yeah, right? luckily that's gone on mine. They put a mag pull on there, but oh, that was nice of them. Yeah. Oh, it's all decked out. Hopefully, it'll take Remington parts if something ever goes. Yeah, yeah that would be nice. Huh? Uh, yeah. So you won't shoot it like enough for anything to go on it. Mm, well, that's it. <laughs> it's so good, Adriel. Like, I actually looked it over. There were two shotguns there, and initially from far, I thought they were both 870s, and then I got a close look at them, and I went, oh, this one's not an 870, but this one is. And it wasn't until I won it and had it in my hands that I went, well, wait a second. That's not right. It's not an 870. <laughs> but that's that's literally how close it is. I picked yeah. it up and handled it at least twice and still thought it was an 870. Hmm. 
Okay. Uh, so Canada Ammo's got a whole bunch of weird stuff here. They've got the Backpacker 2, which is like a folding single-shot shotgun. They've also got shorty 12-gauge pumps, 13-inch pumps, 14-inch over-unders, and that 14-inch side-by-side in a variety of stocks, from all the way from wood to uh, plastic to tactical style. So, yeah, yeah, a whole bunch of different styles there. Uh, that's mine. Uh, who, did put, who put in the last one here? I did. The RCMP Firearms Investigation Support Unit. The RCMP Firearms Internet Investigation Support Unit. So the RCMP have a new unit dedicated to investigating things online with regards to firearms. So here's this. This is, comes from an article on uh, Caliber Magazine's website. And here's a quote. It says, The Firearms Internet Investigation Support Unit provides a range of internet support services both in the firearms application screening process and directly to frontline officers. The unit gathers information from a variety of online sites that are accessible to the public. The internet unit has two services, two service components. In its primary role, the unit provides CFOs and investigating firearms officers with any information uncovered during an internet search of a firearm license applicant's and license clients under continuous eligibility to support their regulatory public safety investigations. So interpret that as you will. <laughs> the secondary role consists of open source searches of internet sites identifying public safety risks from firearms and criminal activities related to firearms. The information gleaned from this area of the internet is forwarded to the police of jurisdiction for further investigation. The unit also supports ongoing firearms investigations by police upon request. <laughs> so that's it. These are the guys that are going through YouTube and uh, other places to see if guys are being idiots with guns and then uh, going to get them. Yeah. It also means that they're out there trolling around looking for anything possibly to sink their teeth into. Here's, it, here's it, another little blurb of what they do, Matthew. It says, what does the RCMP FIISU do? Well, from the ATIP, so there is um, access, access for information, yeah. Correct. Provided by Mr. Young, the FIISU's primary task is the screening and investigating of firearm, firearm license applicants and their licensed clients, otherwise known as licensed gun owners. Okay, but the, we knew that all along, right? I mean, that's what the RCMP does. They, they check us out. Can, we have that continuous eligibility thing going. We're, our names are run to the criminal database every day, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. The second role is defined as, quote, open source searches of Internet sites, end quote. <laughs> In intelligence and investigative communities, open sources are those available to the public, such as social media and internet forums. The sources, these sources, generate open source intelligence, or OSINT, open source intelligence, mm -hmm. which in this context would be forwarded to the relevant law enforcement agency for further investigation with support of the FIISU. So for people that have been saying for years, you know, we've been making fun of people saying, oh, you have your tin hat on there, RCMP aren't watching what we do online. No, they are. They certainly are. And now it's they actually have a dedicated unit just to watch gun owners online. So 
Are they going to catch criminals? Criminals are dumb. They don't catch the smart ones. So will they catch criminals who are, you know, brandishing firearms online? Hopefully that's what they're going to be doing. That's but. what I want them to catch, right? I want them to catch the dummies that are out there who have unlicensed firearms and who are unlicensed to own firearms and are, you know, posing them on Facebook and, like, pointing at this, you know. You, you know the stereotype I'm, I'm referring to here. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the one that we've we all seen saw videos of here. somebody shooting a handgun in the woods. Yeah. I mean... They're or the, the that guy that Facebook. there was that uh, YouTube channel that we saw uh, oh a few months ago where the guy had uh, chopped down a bolt action twenty two to like pistol length and was right. shooting it on video right so yeah that sort yeah, of thing's just dumb there. if you're gonna do that don't <laughs> don't put that on video that's that, that's the kind of person that yeah go ahead and, and catch him because he he dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah that's interesting that really is. So, uh, so you watch what you post article. online, folks. Yeah. And you can read the whole article on Caliber's website. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Well, I guess it's time for listener feedback. And we've just got one. So I'll read it from John McLean. Yippee ki Slamfire. Just ran across an ad for a Just Right Carbine in 10 millimeter. I haven't caught up with the current episodes yet. I'm coming up on number 135. You may have already seen it. And one of you may have already tried one out. Just passing along the info. Oh, and it's only $700 U.S. currently. Well, here in the country of Texas, anyway. <laughs> so Texas is their own country, like Quebec is their own country up here in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the great podcast. They help pass the time in my hour-long commute to and from work daily. And that comes to us from John McLean. So if you'd like to send an email to the show, you can do so at slamfireradio at gmail.com. Do we have any iTunes reviews or otherwise other We reviews? do not. All right, then. Any shout-outs, Trevor? Don't forget to shout-out James Bork. Oh, for thanks the for the monitor. <laughs> yeah. To James Bork. Um, James Bork, the guy who loves to write emails that we can't read. Yeah. But uh, he's uh, he's been a buddy of Matthew's and I for quite some time. We train with him. He writes the show anyway. A lot of people know the name by now, James Bork. Or, as I like to call him, Ginger Snap. Ginger Snap, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he saved my butt. I had two Tanfoglio Limited Customs. My brand new extreme one came with a set of mags that don't seem to work very well. They round slide forward, and when you try and drop the mag, the mag gets caught up in the gun. Not cool. Uh, I bought a second 10 Foglio Limited Custom from Mo, and it had an earlier generation magazine, which worked flawlessly. So the entire time I ran my extreme gun, I used the mags from Mo's gun. Well, I sold Mo's gun, or actually traded Mo's gun, and foolishly gave away the good mags that it came with. And, um, yeah, the day I went to practice with my gun, Friday, before I left for the Provincials, I was having some some issues. The mags would not drop. thought maybe I needed to shorten my ammo. So I shortened my ammo a little bit more. Uh, we did some testing with some dummy rounds to the same length. It still wasn't working. And Lorette's like, James has a Tad Foglio, and he lives in this town. So called him up, and he was like, yeah, man, I'll see you at my house in 10 minutes. Come get them. So we got there, and he had everything out ready and waiting, and he said, let's go to my gun range. He took us to the gun range so we could test his mags and my gun. And if it wouldn't have been for that, like, first of all, I was just completely relaxed and didn't have to worry about it. My mind was at ease. And then second of all, 
the gun also functioned 100 percent so if james wouldn't give me these mags the outcome of that match would have been a lot different i'm quite sure because i lost a match one time um just barely lost it and the problem throughout the match was the mags weren't falling so i was constantly ripping out my mag so i was adding a second to a second and a half on every mag change and you can't give up a second and a half on a stage and expect to win when competition is tight so thank you james that's my story sticking to it you were a huge part of why i won the provincials so thank you very much man i owe you one cool all right, Adriel, do you have a shortened version of, uh, of a shout-out? <laughs> sure. Uh, Weston and all the guys who helped put on the Prairie Fire match, thanks to all the sponsors for putting together a killer prize table. That was uh, Wholesale Sports, Wolverine Supplies, North Pro Sports, Vortex, Fireland, and there were a bunch of other ones as, as well. Uh, thanks to Saskatoon Wildlife Federation for hosting us and the Saskatoon Rifle and Revolver Club for putting it on and uh, putting on such a good uh, such a good match. Yeah, it sounds like it was a good match. Yeah. Cool. Kelly? I have one. It's for Mark T. Thanks for sending me the message about the Aguila that's on sale for $4.50 at Canadian Tire. It was awesome. Sweet. And I have a shout-out to a new co-worker who I'm not going to name yet because I'm not sure if he's comfortable with me saying his name on the show. Uh, but um, I started work at a new school today and met some of the staff, and one of the staff members there is um, a former military um, reservist and uh, huge into guns. Well, not maybe not huge into guns, but but into guns. He he uh, he appreciates firearms as well, and uh, also likes flying. So it was really nice to meet a, a kindred spirit there, if I can Aww. say kindred spirit and not sound too feminine. You met a friend on the first day of yep, school. Yeah, met a friend on the first day of school. It's awesome. <laughs> So he's my mentor. In fact, it, it, That's awesome. he, yeah, he and I share a lot of um, traits that are similar. So it's going to be good. All right. So Patreon supporters. Um, we have a couple new ones. Uh, gun websites for a dollar. So that's cool. I don't know who that is, but it's a gun website. So sweet. Uh, Mark S for a dollar. And Cody M bumped his contribution up to 308. So sweet. I like a good old 308. And a uh, big shout out to all of our other Patreon nerds, nerd guys that support us with Patreon. Patreonies. Yeah. There you go. Patreonies. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about um, doing like a next level of swag as well. Mm. So yeah, we're getting to that point like... where we should do that for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so so stay tuned and uh, maybe maybe become a Patreonier and um, listen to our next show where we might have more information <laughs> about what extra swag you can get if you uh, if you are. A Patreon here. Me. Patreon. <laughs> it's funnier my way. <laughs> yeah, do this driving me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is it working? I know it's working. You don't even have to answer that. Mm-hmm. All right, Trevor. Are we done? We're done. Good no, night. we're not. You got to you got to join one of our national firearms associations, such as the CCFR, because they, they, they did that already. No, we didn't do that. Don't our listeners should have done already. that by now. If they, if our listeners haven't signed up to the CCFR by now, you're communist. <laughs> well, I wouldn't go that far, but you're definitely socialist. Yeah, yeah. So get out and do some shooting. Join up. It's going to be great. It's uh, it's important because we got some fights, and we got to fight hard, and we can only fight with money. So check us out on Gun Owners of Canada. Like us on Facebook. Yada, yada, yada. Blah, blah, blah. See you next week. Trevor? See you next week, everybody. See you next week, everybody. Adriel? Good night. Kelly? See you next week. Ah, oh, good night, Kelly. Aww. Aww. Creepy as... Beep!
So if you have any comments or questions for the show, please send an email to slamfireradio at gmail.com. Now go grab a gun and shoot something. When the talking is over, it's time to get a gun. Boom, so the recording has started. I dropped my phone. Where does the recording end up? Uh, in your my videos. In my my videos. Even though it's not a video. Right. Yeah. Because it thinks it's a video. Yeah. And I see something. It's an FLV file. You're gonna. Have and then you put it to an exe, level eight it, and then yada yada yada. We're dead. All right. Neat. All right. This will be good for now. Let's give it a shot. You're also recording though, right? As a backup. Yeah. All right. Good. All right, Trevor. You ready? Finally. Freaking dirty Fine. dog taking freaking forever. I know, My right? Goodness, I didn't start the time. See, this doesn't have a timer on it. Uh, oh, yes, it yes. does. Yes, it does have a timer on it. Sweet. All right, we good. Trevor, you finally ready? <laughs> so is that a yes? Yeah. All right, here we go. Your levels are peaking. Yeah, we're going in five <laughs> seconds. So be quiet.